everybody. It is not raining ice anymore in Texas. <laughs> we got a dusting on Thursday. We got a ice dusting all week. Kids didn't go to school. Everything was closed. There mm. was four inches of layers of ice and snow. It was like an ice skating rink because there's no salt and sand trucks here. Tree limbs were breaking. Power was out. We didn't have power outage, but it was crazy, 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 crazy. So just so you know, folks, hey, we're back. Isn't it odd that Texas doesn't have, our um, bit? That's my, doesn't have that's sand trucks? Huh? I said, isn't it crazy Texas doesn't have sand trucks, all that sand they got in the western part? And that uh, sand trucks, salt trucks, or um, I, I mean, when y'all get snow, like I mean, when y'all get snow and ice like that, you know, that is uh, you know, that is interesting, but I mean, you know, we've got nothing but rain, like we got a, we got a dusting of snow Thursday morning, and then we've had nothing but rain ever since. Well, now it's, it's actually sunny outside, but it was uh, nine degrees last night, so very frigid. But, um, so it's 42 well, here, but ooh, is, this is the highest temperature right we've now. had since last week because last week we were in the low to mid 20s with wind chill factors in the teens. And I kid you not, every two hours we would get a new update about the next, they were calling it bands, the next band of ice that was going to drop or the next band of snow and ice that was going to drop. And it mm. would snow and pour down ice. And it literally sounded like somebody was shooting BB pellets at the house. That's how hard it was coming down. And then mm. it would stop for an hour or two. And then we would get another alert saying that the next wave. And it literally did that every day up until yesterday morning when the temperature mm. started climbing, stuff started to melt. But then it was dropping at night. So it was, it was a mess. Oh, yeah. It was mm. a mess. But yeah. well, I heard they had a crazy pileup down there too on the highway, like a 20 car pileup. Always because people don't know how to drive. It's like, you know, the speed limit down here is 75 miles an hour. Oh, so yeah. It's, it's per, you know, people down here drive on purpose. So it's like, um, yeah, so if there's snow and ice on the road and there's no way to clean them, um, why are you speeding? You're from up north. So you know right. about black ice. Like, yeah. you know, for, the, for yeah. those down south who don't know about black ice. Yeah. Black ice is when just a sheet of ice on the road that you can't see. Yeah. Like, be careful. Therapy whole life. <laughs> Look, black ice is the Black Panthers of weather. <laughs> it's the Black Panther of weather. One. That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> <clears throat> well, look, welcome back, everybody. Welcome to episode 110. We said we're going to start counting episodes out loud. Can y'all believe we've done 110 episodes, y'all? We really yeah, doing that's some serious thing. content, Ronnie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, make sure y'all check us out every uh, every week on uh, Facebook Live, also on YouTube as well. Make sure y'all su mm -hmm. subscribe to the page. Y'all subscriptions help us out. So thank y'all so much for those who have mm -hmm. subscribed and continue to subscribe. Um, we got a Happy great time. Huh? Oh, Forget Apple Podcast, yep. Yeah, we, Apple we got, Podcast. We got Apple Podcast it's, been, it's been so long since we've been on there. I forgot about that. But yeah, we are back on Apple Podcast too. So make sure you check out all our uh, all of our previous episodes on YouTube, Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify or no? I don't think we're on Spotify. No, we. that's something that I think our 
social media marketing folks are working on. We're, we're not on Spotify, yeah. but we will be. Eventually, yeah. But Apple Podcasts and uh, YouTube, yeah. So yep. definitely make sure y'all subscribe to both pages and everything. But um, we had a great topic lined up for you all today. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about, oh, no, where does it go? Oh, restoration, intimacy after injury. You know, injuries are often accompanied by, you know, sometimes depression, tension, anger, and low self-esteem, particularly in competitive, seriously injured athletes. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, when you're injured and things like that, but also talking about, you know, love, sex and intimacy, you know, sometimes that can be a, a slippery slope for some people. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't necessarily always get the proper education on, you know, uh, on sex, intimacy, love and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to have a, a, a nice info pack show on, you know, some things to keep in mind, at, you know, for our, uh, our collegiate athletes out there, our professional athletes, um, high school athletes, you should not be participating in any of this. Um but you know, write the information down. They should be participating in intimacy without sex in high school. Okay, there we go. The see, perfect reframe. That's a that's a wonderful reframe. You know, Doctor Pitts, I did want to say something else though. Um, yes. In reference to uh, football and everything, um, mm-hmm. I need to stop betting against your husband's team. Um, he listening to the show, Ronnie. I, I'm sure right now my phone is about to go off. He's about to text me. I'm waiting because I know he texted me and I said to, that he was going to be listening. Let me see what he's going to say to you. Go ahead. I need, I'll let you know when he texts me. I need to stop betting against the Eagles. But I will say this, though. You know, um, you know, the championship games were last weekend. But not the the Chiefs and Bengals game was a phenomenal game. Um, you know, I felt real bad for uh, old boy from the Bengals, Osai, you know. Uh, I ain't gonna lie. I thought he blew his entire knee out. You know, like, yeah, did you see the did you see the replay when his knee buckled when he got his stuff? Yeah, it was I, one of those shoot. one that made you wince for him. Shoot, screw the penalty at that point. I thought he blew his knee out. Yeah. You know, but he was yeah. fine and everything. It just you know got stuck in the ground and everything. But um, phenomenal game. Um, the Eagles and 49ers game left so much to be desired. Um, you know, shout out to the Eagles for taking care of business. You know, the one thing I will say about the Eagles um, that I have seen a, a resurgence, a resurgence of, is is that they they do a phenomenal job of not allowing uh, the game to have to fall on Jalen Hurts' arm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Granted, his arm has gotten you know significantly better in each of his uh, three seasons in the league. But mm-hmm. I mean, to just win an NFC championship game by having four rushing touchdowns, mm-hmm. um, phenomenal job by the uh, by the Eagles and everything. The one thing I will say, and I always tell people this, you know, speaking of highlights, if you ever want to see some phenomenal highlights, please go Google or YouTube the Eagles offensive line highlights from the championship game. Oh, my nice. God. I'm a lineman. So, you know, I, I'm biased towards this. But look, I don't care about none of the receiver highlights, running back highlights, quarterback highlights. Those are all nice and cool and everything. But the Eagles offensive line, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> they had a play. I think it was the first – I think it was their first um, their first run, rushing touchdown they scored. Miles Sanders scored it. Dr. Pitts, I don't want to get too nerdy here for you for a second, but – Oh, my God. They ran an inside zone play. So for those who know what an inside zone is, basically uh, a run inside between um, either the uh, strong side A gap or B gap, or sometimes it can cut back to the uh, backside A gap, which is basically between the center and the guard on either side. 
Um, and with the Eagles team between the center and the left guard up to the linebacker and on the backside, the right guard and the right tackle worked up on the three tech up to the linebacker. And it was just poetry in motion. I mean, wow. I'm sorry. I just had to get that out. You, needed, but, you just had to wrap your arms and, around that experience. And look, hey, hey, man, the Eagles offensive line is just as when you talk about technique, just, just overall chemistry, communicating, working together, mm -hmm. that is the epitome of an offensive line. It is just beautiful to watch. So I encourage you all to go out there this weekend and watch some of those beautiful offensive line highlights that they have out there because it is a clinic every single weekend they go out there. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Can I answer a question? Have you seen, because you know I have a warped sense of humor. Have you seen the meme with, with Colin Kaepernick doing this scene from The Color Purple, where remember when Miss Seeley said to, to Mr. Until You Do Right by Me? <laughs> and there's a, it's like this one with Colin Kaepernick with the 49ers stuff behind him. And he's like, <laughs> you do right by me. And I said, it was one of those things, right? It reminded me of, I want to say it was 2015 when all of the hurricanes just annihilated Florida from the south to the north. It was just like one, one hurricane after the other, after the other. It was like, who did the 49ers piss off? Like what the universe, the stars, whatever, what in the world is going on Which, that like you talk about the, the technical definition of Murphy's law. It, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what you, but, else could go wrong? Can you imagine like being on it? Like literally the only reason, not, not the only reason, the Eagles played really well, but mm -hmm. the only reason that San Francisco became just literally docile was because they didn't have a quarterback. Whoever heard tell of such great, you know what, Ronnie? And it was funny because Eric was, and I get it because we know stuff changes in football at the blink of an eye, right? And he right. wasn't, he's not a trash talker anyway. And he's watching the game, but he was just in chill mode. He was watching the game and I'm waiting for him to get hype, get hype, get hype. And he wasn't. And I'm like, well, babe, y'all are going to win this game. And he was like, it ain't over yet. And I was like, well, baby, y'all going to win this game. And, and he, it was funny, Ronnie, because every time I scored, he was like, I just need him to score one more time. And then he would say, I just need him to score one more time. I need him to score one more time and leave no doubt. For me, and I was like, okay, you, you got that. Because who knows that they hadn't said definitively whether or not uh, Brock Purdy was coming back and all that. I was like, okay, okay. When I was done was when they went to switch, with get right switch helmets and make McCaffrey the quarterback. I said, oh, it's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. you, like, what is going on right now? I, what, it's what? like watching no watching when Brock Purdy came back in the game, yeah. and you know everybody was wondering like, is he gonna be able to throw? Is he gonna be able to throw? Mm -hmm. Like, I I couldn't imagine for that offense like just how demoralizing that is. Yeah. Knowing like, bro, we can't throw the ball past five yards. Like, yeah. and for him to stay because y'all y'all play hurt. Yeah, and we talking oh, about yeah. this today, right? We talking about injuries. Y'all play hurt, and for him to say. I can't do it. It's like you just felt like he literally all, like all the air just it's crazy because once they say what his injury was, like, oh yeah, he literally cannot throw the ball. Like right. for anybody right. who's who's familiar with that injury, they you know it's called the uh Tommy John um 
surgery from baseball because a lot of baseball mm-hmm. pitchers, how they mm-hmm. throw the ball, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of um, um, loosens up that UCL uh, ligament mm-hmm. in their elbow. He got his torn off, I would imagine, torn off the bone. Yeah, yeah. he's not throwing anything. They're lucky mm-hmm. that little duck pass he threw to McCaffrey. I think it was on like a third and five or something mm-hmm. like that. Right, right. They're lucky that one got off. But I felt so bad for the 49ers because I felt like yeah. we were really robbed of such a hyped up game. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. and, you know, everybody, it's funny, um, me and my teammates in our group chat, when, um, you know, they showed Devontae Smith made that uh, one handed catch that ended mm-hmm. up not being that was a catch. Pretty. Oh, that was so pretty. <laughs> and, you know, we were all saying, like, one of my teammates was like, well, you know, that's going to come back and, uh, um, and, and bite the 49ers. And, you know, we were like, bro, it's like, you know, the first quarter, like, you know, if that seven points is the reason why the 49ers lose, then, you know, mm-hmm. well, you know, they shouldn't have won anyways. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, everything else kind of happened. But you had said something three weeks ago, and it was funny. Like, when I went and looked at their schedule, you had mentioned it, like, outside of the chiefs and when they had played the chiefs earlier in the season that was mm-hmm. this that was the week that um christian mccaffrey got there mm-hmm. and the doors blown off him by the chiefs mm-hmm. outside of that everybody else they played outside of the seahawks and i think it was one other team the vikings mm-hmm. they didn't really play nobody mm-hmm. like and you and you may not you know that's no knock on the cowboys you know no, no knock at all, they, they did but, they didn't they did they had the easiest schedule in the league yeah, and and it show and it show. It I is mean, what it is. They did, and it ended up being like honestly, even if Brock Purdy never got hurt, I don't know. I, the one thing I will say for the Chiefs is if they cannot stop the Eagles from running, right. you know, Mahomes won't have a chance to get out there and and really defend. You know, give them a chance due to his you know? miracle plays. <laughs> yeah, like because what's going to happen is if they get down, you know, now granted he's been down 10, 14, 17 points before. Yeah. But those are teams who pass not against the ball. Yeah, the Eagles, if they get ahead, like we know one thing they're gonna do, they are not afraid to run the ball and mm-hmm. allow the running to win the game. They just did that last week. They'll run the so, score up, and that'll be a smart thing to do because you can't leave space for Patrick Mahomes to get back in it. Andy mm-hmm. Reid ain't no punk. So you already know he's gonna pull something out the high school playbook. My husband texted me. No, um, oh. I was I was gonna ask you, did you hear um Former uh, Texans running back uh, Arian Foster, he um, alleged that the NFL is scripted, um, especially after this week, you know, with um, the uh, the Kelsey brothers, you know, they call them the mm-hmm. Kelsey Bowl and everything. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid playing his former team and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there, there's been this alleged tweet that was tweeted in 2015 that predicted the next 10 years worth of Super Bowl winners. And allegedly for seven years so far, they've been right. And they have mm-hmm. the Eagles winning this year. Um, I believe they have the Chiefs winning next year, the Bills winning in 25, and so on and so forth. Oh, wow. But, you know, the accuracy of it, if it was tweeted in 2015, has been, you know, under question. I don't but I say all that to say, um, when you mentioned Colin Kaepernick, I seen a meme where he said Colin Kaepernick reading the 2017 scripts and finding out he's getting blackballed. <laughs> you know what? So ignorant. And so you know, but yeah, no. So um outside of that, um, yeah, so I, I think the Super Bowl is gonna be exciting. Um, you know, I think the football games were fun to watch. The like uh, little uh skills games yeah, and everything. I, I like that. Yeah. I, I'm like, okay, I like that. This uh, this is cute. I like it. It would 
I really wish there was a way where you could guarantee no injuries for the NFL players to play in the Pro Bowl and like really have like the best of the best play. Like we get that you in don't basketball. Like football was fun when we was kids around it was but i mean when you play like when you play real football like for me like i don't play like flag football and stuff because sometimes i forget you know you know i just you gotta be hitting people see how you do you just you know you just gotta you know just catch somebody one good time you know (laughs) but um yeah no it, it was it was nice i mean it's nice you know um the pro bowl doesn't have the same you know luster it used to but that's all good though um, so let's talk about sex, yeah. Ronnie. All right. Speak. Did you see? Uh, did you see? Uh, what's his name? Drop the new album, Smokey Robinson. No, but I don't know if it was my son or somebody's. I heard somebody say something about it. Oh, you gotta listen. You gotta hold on. What's the track Smokey, list? Smokey oh my, bringing it oh at seventy some years old. Oh, he. Oh, hold on. Now I don't want to listen to the song. What's the album? It, the album is called Gasms. Oh dear. He got a song, How You Make Me Feel, I Wanna Know Your Body, Roll Around, You Fill Me Up, I Fit in There. Okay. Nuh uh. You making that up. I, I'm, oh, I'm gonna send you the album. Get out of here. Smokey looks Smokey having his past midlife crisis. He getting his I think, second. I think, Sm- I think Smokey like 80, what, 80, 80, 81 or something like that? He, 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 I thought he was he in the 70s, there. but he getting his second win. Wow. Okay, Smokey. He said he, 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 said he fit. He said he fit in there. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, speaking of speaking of sex, a sex fact for everybody out there, men can produce sperm up until the age of 90. You give or take. That I knew. So that you know, I that fun, I, I had heard that before. I have heard that. Fun fact of the day, yeah. You know, men can produce sperm up to 90. That's how Hugh Hefner was able to be out here still pumping and dumping late into his later years. I don't know. I, you know, I, I know for women, you know, there's kind of like this biological cutoff, you know. The older you get, the more risk it is for you and possibly the baby and everything, stuff like that. That's just something that, you know, you all really kind of have no control over, right? I think for men, like, there are some men out here, you know, they 50s and 60s now having kids, like. Yeah, simple. (laughs) Big pimping at the baby graduation. Look, don't even remember they got a kid graduating. Look, you know, um, I I I can't. Mm. After I I, made after after about, I would say the absolute latest for me would be forty. I had always said that any kids that I was gonna have, I would have to have them by the time I was forty, or I was done. And I'm not even gonna lie, I'm I'm so glad that I had Andre Young because listen, yeah, the nephews and friends cheering. And everybody else, I'm like, y'all go right ahead with these young kids. I'm 55 years old. The last thing I'd want to still be dealing with is kids in in high school. I'll be I'll I'll be be 48. I'll be 48 when Eli. uh, No, I'll be 46 when Eli graduates high school. Right. See, that's so shoot. Yeah, I mean shoot. But um, yeah. So all right, let's let's get into this. Uh, let's get into this topic. What you got for us? So what we gonna do? Um, is 
Oh, I'm, I'm going to toss some questions out there to you that's sort of like prompts, and I just want us to have this fluid exchange. Is that all right? Uh, uh, so I want to, because this topic, you know, if I'm honest, sex is one of my favorite topics. Intimacy is one of my favorite topics. But because we're looking at it through the lens of how does sports injury impact that, it, it is going to create space for us to really have a huge um part of the conversation touch on the mental health piece, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that being said, I wanna start with this. What do you believe is the impact of a sports injury on the athlete's life holistically? Uh, I, I would, depending on the energy, I mean, the, not the energy, the injury, um, mm -hmm. I think what really I think what really impacts the psyche of an athlete is, mm -hmm. um, you know, how how for me, I would imagine, you know, the, mobi the mobility. Um, mm -hmm. Like, for example, for me, when um, I had tore my meniscus, um, you know, mm -hmm. when you get your meniscus repaired and everything it's non weight bearing for six weeks at the minimum. My mom had that injury and had to have surgery. Yeah, I had that four times within two years uh... and, and two of them were within three months of each other. So um like literally for one like I for one semester my spring semester mm -hmm. in 2013 I was on out of a 16 week semester I was on crutches for 13 of those weeks wow and you know yeah I would have to crush the class whether it was snow outside you know whatever mm -hmm. I was crushing the class and everything used mm -hmm. to have to have my leg propped up on the chair beside me so nobody could sit beside me and everything mm -hmm. um so for me it was just like that was my worst semester in undergrad because mm -hmm. It would just be some days like, bro, I'm not crutching the class. Like, I'm just not, you know. You're over it. Yeah. Now, you know, I I, I believe that some universities, you know, student athletes who, you now nowadays they have like the little, you know, the little scooters and everything. And now, uh -huh. they, you know, student athletes get assistance and whatnot. We didn't yeah. have that at, uh, at VSU. Um, yeah, it would have yeah. been nice, you know, all them golf carts yeah. we had on campus to get, you know, wheeled around. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, so... I would imagine mobility will probably be the biggest factor for uh, an athlete's psyche. Um, I, what about I think the pain? That, I, um, so I would imagine the pain too. Yeah, like for me, um, I actually, when I had my first knee surgery, they gave me the, um, I can't remember which one of the hard pain pills it was, but it was mm -hmm. one of them. I think it was like the oxys or something. Mm -hmm. I actually hated them because they kept me up. I didn't get sleep with them. Wow. Um, so for me, I was just up. And after, after the anesthesia wore off about maybe a day, day and a half after the surgeries, um, I mean, if I just like turn my leg a little bit, you know, like hold, you just get this shooting pain through your entire body. Um, so for me, like, you know, when I had, you know, not being able to be mobile for six weeks and having to deal with the pain mm -hmm. and then being able to, you know, you literally have to relearn how to walk again and, you know, be, mm -hmm. you know, more mindful of your steps and everything. So it's a, it's a tedious process. Um, so if you're an athlete going through it for the first time or somebody like me who went through mm -hmm. it five separate times, um, you really have to be able to keep in mind, you know, like it is a temporary thing. Uh, and the most important thing is getting yourself as healthy as possible to minimize the chance of it happening again. For example, don't be like me. Like, you know, I didn't listen the first time at all. You know, I I, I stayed non-weight bearing. But one of the things that I did that I highly regret now is like, for example, 
you know, crutches hurt, you know, for everybody who, anybody mm-hmm. who's ever been on crutches for any amount of time, arms. Mm-hmm. no matter how many rags you have on it, on the pit part mm-hmm. or the hand part, they're uncomfortable, you know, now the newer crutches, they look like they're more comfortable, they're a different design and everything, but them mm-hmm. old pogo stick crutches, they don't feel good. Right. So it'll be sometimes if I'm in the house, instead of, you know, grabbing the crutches, I would just take my other leg and just hop around, you know, just hop on oh, my wow. other leg. Mm-hmm. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking I'm strengthening this leg and whatnot. All reality, you know, I'm still 290, 295 at the time. And all that weight is being bounced on one leg. Right. So, you know, when my right one got, you know, better and everything and I, you know, started the season, my left one tore, you know, right. so. And then because I didn't, I rushed through that process, I tore it again two weeks after coming off crutches. So, you know, you can be hard-headed and learn the hard way, or you can really focus on getting better because the more you try and rush through the process and get back out there, you really expose your chance to the self of of an injury happening again, whether it's the same injury or a new different injury. Because for example, if you injure your thigh, now your hamstrings and your other muscles in your leg have to overcompensate. So when mm-hmm. they overcompensate and you don't take care of them and you just, you know, rushing back the thigh and everything, the quad muscles, then you have a chance to, you know, pull a hamstring or mess your groin up or something like that. So I always tell athletes, if you have a serious injury where you have to be sidelined for a few weeks or you mm-hmm. know, possibly your season is ended, you know, prematurely because of injury. Yes, it is. A, it is a long process. It is a tough process. But, you know, make the most out of the process if you can, because trying to rush through the injury, you just leave yourself susceptible to having another one really quickly. I think that it's important to know, and and based on just a little bit of history that you just shared and what you've shared over shows is what does that look like as far as the lasting effects and how has that impacted you relationally? Because you, I mean, you've talked about that a lot. You know, you've had 500 concussions, not really. <laughs> you got you, your concussions, your knees. You don't need my brain to the Smithsonian like, at that point. You know, all of that stuff. And how do those lasting, the lasting effects that that the injuries have, have had on your body, how does that impact you relationally? Whether it's with your son and crawling around and chasing him around as a one and a half year old or in your marriage or what does that look like? And how do you navigate so, that? Um, you know, after my uh, playing career um, was probably the biggest transition, you know, mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they always say as athletes, you know, if you don't continue to train at the level you were training, but you eat the way you were eating like you were training, then, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have some problems. And, you know, to make a long story short, I definitely had some problems with that part. Um, but a lot of that was due to me, you know, not really, you know, I always tell people, you know, my relationship with, you know, working out was kind of like, a, I always tell people, you know, when I worked out for literally like probably a good nine years of working out, it was mm-hmm. literally with the mindset to get as bigger, stronger and faster as I could, mm-hmm. you know. So when I went into the gym, you know, my focus was on getting as, you know, big and strong as I possibly could. And, you know, so there was a lot of ego with that, you know, there's a lot of ego Mm -hmm. with lifting and being the strongest on your team and and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, So, but there was for a purpose. The purpose was Mm -hmm. for for, for, uh, football and everything. Mm -hmm. But when I didn't have that competitive purpose anymore, 
it took me a while to really refine my purpose of working out. You know, obviously mm-hmm. afterward, you know, the obvious reason is, you know, just to maintain your health and wellness. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's easier said than done when, you know, you've been fixated on a, a certain style of working out for a very long time mm-hmm. and having to retune that style. So I've literally had to, you know, really just reframe and refocus how I address, you know, uh, working out and, and maintaining some type of shape. Um, mm-hmm. Because now getting out of shape now and trying to get back in shape is a whole lot harder than it yeah. was when I was 18 and 19. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to maximize, you know, the rest of my uh, prime years and everything like that, you know, by mm-hmm. staying in some good shape. I do have a one and a half year old, so he is very active. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had his, because he wake up and be on a, on go, like, you know. Wake up running. You know, he ain't got to stretch. He ain't got to, you know, like, you know, really get a uh, he, he like the baby E train like, baby. Remember those commercials around E to baby yes. E train? Wait, he be dancing. Wow. He would wow, you took it back. Wow. I do remember <laughs> that. <laughs> so yeah, so um that was a big adjustment. And you know, you know, obviously um I put on, you know, quite a bit of weight, you know, after playing football mm-hmm. because I continued to eat like I was playing. Um, mm-hmm. So I had to really change my relationship with food and everything because I wasn't wow. working out as much as I was. I wasn't mm-hmm. working out as hard as I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to really retune that part of it too. Um, and then like, you know, nowadays, like, and I will say this too, you know, um, no no knock on Virginia State by me saying this, but I think it's just, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, because of the limited resources we had at the time when I was playing, yeah. um, there wasn't a lot of, you know, necessarily education and resources given on an injury like mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, had I been at a, a bigger school or something like that, where, you know, there's more, edu- you know, more resources and stuff like that. So there's, you know, mm-hmm. more ability to really uh, rehab and, and retrain the proper way. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think the transition from, um how I train playing to how I train now would be a lot more difficult. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Um, mm-hmm. But I think maybe my my fear around my, cause you know, for a while, for a couple of years, I believe that, you know, I wasn't gonna be able to do nothing with my knees anymore. I was just gonna have to just play right. cautious the rest of my life because I have no cartilage between my knees anymore. So it's just bone on bone. And, uh-huh. you know, I turned 30 and nine more days and, you know, God willing, if I see, you know, about 50 more summers, you know, that's, you know, I need my knees, you know, but my knees might not see 50 more summers. They might see about a good 20, 25 more, you know, Mm -hmm. but I have to be mindful of that, you know, because for those who don't know, for athletes who don't know, God forbid you come into a situation where your knees are, you know, like mine, um, most insurance companies um, only grant you two knee replacements per knee. Um, Wow. So anything beyond that is out of pocket is what you're saying. Basically. Um, and so the way it worked now, you know, for all the out there who are listening, you know, if you want to fact check me, fact, fact check me and let me know, please do, because the, the, okay. the uh, technology might have been updated. But from what I was always told is that when you get a knee replacement, it lasts about 10 years. And that's a, that's if nothing goes wrong, you mm. know, then you can get a second one if that, you know, if you need to. That one is good for 10 years. After that. You on your own. Like, wow. So for me. If I make it to 40 and, you know, God forbid, I need a knee replacement mm-hmm. and that one, you know, gets shot at 50 and then I get one at 50, well, from 60, on, you know, then 
I'm on my own, you know? So that is something to be mindful of too. So for me, you know, while I still have some, you know, plenty of good years and good summers ahead of me, it is really, you know, super important for me to get into the best shape that I possibly can and, you know, really reduce the chances of me having to have to deal with that conversation sooner rather than later. Um, Because the further I can push that conversation, the better. So that's a good segue because one of the things that I think is really important for our audience to learn or to expand their awareness around is the psychological effects of your sports injuries, right? And one of the things that we talk about clinically, folks, is a lot of times when we're working with our clients, one of the things that we do as an intervention to help them navigate some of these challenges is we talk about normalizing some of their experiences, right? Because so oftentimes, you know, whether it's a sports injury or, you know, just whatever it is that's going on in your athletic world, um, sometimes you feel like it's just happening to you. That's life, right? We, we, we have a tendency yeah. to want to isolate and, and think that we're on this desert, deserted island all by ourselves. And there's nobody on the face of the planet that could possibly understand what it is you're going through. So I think that it's really important for us to normalize the psychological effects that that injured athletes go through and give them some insight. So in your opinion, Ronnie, what are some some psychological responses following injury that we would typically see athletes go through that, that, that they can expect to happen so that they don't feel like, oh my gosh, it's just happening to me. What are your thoughts about uh, that? Definitely um, a lot of anxiety, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, more centered around, you know, will I recover? Will I have a full recovery? Will there be mm-hmm. any hiccups? You know, how long is rehab going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a college athlete, like, you know, does this burn into my eligibility? Do I have to red shirt yeah. now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do am I going to lose my scholarship? Am I going to mm-hmm. lose my starting position? Um, mm-hmm. You know, a whole a multitude of things, um, you know, because dep- like I said, depending on the injury, um, if you have like a season in the injury or something that's going to, you know, sit you mm-hmm. down for a while, you know, those are kind of some of the natural thoughts that just come through your mind, because mm-hmm. once again, we feel the most comfortable when we're able to compete at what we love doing and doing yeah. it at a high level. Yeah. That's what we yeah. do it for. So when you take yeah. that away from us, whether it's because of behavior or injury issues, then mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to see a lot of maybe um a temperament maybe a lot of different reactions maybe some defensiveness maybe some isolation um, that failure-based depression right exactly um especially like you know um especially if you feel like you know you got yourself injured or something like that or if you you know weren't being careful or being careless mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. um especially a lot of times now we see where uh professional athletes where it's highly discouraged of them to do any other athletic related things outside Uh of the sport and outside of season because Uh you know god forbid you know you're doing a commercial shoot or you know you're just out there playing with the boys and whatnot Uh and you know you you uh mess your ankle up or you tear your acl or something some freak accident Uh because those things happen now you you know you get hyper aware of that and as opposed to being able to enjoy it you play tense or you think about it and one of the things that athletes that we know is is hard not to it's hard to do is it's hard to be your best out there when you're playing tense. That fear of re-injury like, creeping in. Right. You know, because when yeah. you're out there playing tense, when you're playing careful, you're gonna get hurt. 
because you're not you're not just flowing you're not with the flow of the game you're trying to go against it and control it and when you try and control everything around you especially in the heat of the battle you know you can't be mindful of everything that's going on around you so you just leave yourself more susceptible to a freak accident or a freak injury because you're sometimes what do they always say sometimes you fixate on something so bad you end up getting it good or bad right i, I think that so, that was that what ties in perfectly with what you're saying and and it reminds me and we talk about it all the time right is like how um, on a, at the professional level, when Dak came back from his ankle injury, it was evident, or at least I thought that it was evident that he was playing real cautious. Like you, could, it right. was almost there were times that he was almost flinching. Like you mm-hmm. could tell that there was this idea in his head that he was afraid of getting hurt again. And then fast forward, you know, to now the the injury with the thumb and having the plate in his hand after thumb injury, but. Jalen Hurts said it best last week before the game. He said, I go out here with a bullseye. With a, uh, no, he said a bounty. He said, I have a bounty on my head each and every single game. And I thought that clinically that he did an outstanding job of normalizing that. And one of the mm-hmm. things that the commentators repeatedly touched on during that game against the 49ers is there was nothing about his play that suggested that he was playing afraid. He was, it was like, oh, they hit him a couple of times. And it was like, I clinched my teeth. So I was like, ah, you know, right. you know they, they fell on. The I mean, shoulder. it's like you, you yeah. once I always say like, when you play football, you have to, you have to know if you're out there, you have to do like when I was injured, you know? Yeah. I knew for me, like it got to a point, um, the first season in 2013, the first season I had to deal with my knee injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, when my right one was healed and I tore my left one, I couldn't push off my left leg like I mm-hmm. could my right leg. Catch so my halfway, high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. Halfway through the season, I literally told our coach, like, coach, we can't run no inside zone to the right because I can't push off my left leg fast enough and get to my responsibility fast enough without the guard, you know, really helping. Now mm-hmm. to the left, now going to the left, mm-hmm. I'm good because I'm pushing off my right leg. I'm good mm-hmm. to go, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, we had to really, you know, find a way to incorporate that and mix it in where it didn't become mm-hmm. an obvious thing that people could pick up on. But mm-hmm. I knew my limitations, but I knew that I had to find a way to adjust and make it work because I couldn't use the excuse, oh, I'm hurt or oh, I'm injured. I'm out mm-hmm. here playing, you mm-hmm. know, so I think a lot of times like, you know, yeah, when you go through a serious injury, um, it can weigh on your mind about getting re-injured and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell athletes, like, you know, especially if you play football, you know, injuries are part of the game, um, mm-hmm. you know, but when you're out there, like, you can't play scared, you can't play timid, you can't play worried, because mm-hmm. the moment you think more about what's going on around you than your assignment and the flow right. of the game, you leave yourself to be injured, Right. you know, because it doesn't take much. If you get caught, I've seen, you've probably seen it a couple of times, too, like, just some offensive linemen, they always tell you, if you stop running your feet, you mm-hmm. get rain up on if you're standing straight up and your legs are locked, you know, when that running back come behind you or the quarterback come behind you and they clip your legs from under you, now you're gonna snap your ACL or your LCL or your PCL because you had your legs uh straight instead of bent. They tell you like you cannot be lagging during the play or in the heat of the moment because things happen. Yeah. So you you when we when we were talking about the, the psychological effects, you you also brought, brought up 
some of the emotional responses, right? And that's the connection. That's the, the link that connects the intimacy to, to this entire discussion around sports injury, right? So when we're thinking about some of the emotional responses that arise in response to athletic injury, sadness, feelings of isolation, irritation, lack of motivation, frustration, anger, your appetite, you talked about, you know, your appetite changing, sleep issues, feeling disengaged, anger, right? So you have all of these things. And what we know to be true is that, you know, <laughs> there's this, this gender bias rumor that circulates around intimacy, particularly physical intimacy, that suggests that men want it all the time. And I disagree I, with that. Yeah, no, I, there, I think, I think, yeah, you know, like, you know, I think men, because of testosterone and stuff like that, they, they mm -hmm. give us the automatic notion that, yeah, you know, um, the higher man's testosterone, the more they want to have sex. That mm -hmm. can be true in some cases, but mm -hmm. women have a, an incredibly high sex motive. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I think studies show, and it, I think it can be safe to say that some women have far higher sex uh, drives than uh, most men. Mm -hmm. um, you know, women can orgasm faster than we can. Uh, and well, not faster, but, you know, more um, in, in sequence, you know. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. all can have multiple orgasms farther, farther quickly than, you know, we can, you know, we need a little mm -hmm. time to recharge and everything, reboot. We need a little, you know, <laughs> little system update for a couple minutes and whatnot. Then we'd be good to go. And everything, you're a you fool. Did you say a system update? You know, just a little system update. You got to re, you got to restart the system and everything. <laughs> y'all got to reboot. <laughs> need about 20 minutes. Needs about a good 20. A good 20, we'd be good to go. You are so cool. So I want to tie that, right? Because one of the things that we that we didn't say yet, I'm going to say it now, as it relates to the psychological effects and the emotional responses of athletic injury, is that y'all go through the stages of grief. It's like you didn't, you know, nobody died, but like you said, especially those those season ending injuries, or like for example, and and some of them because the NFL season goes longer than the collegiate season, some of those things are in the forefront of my mind. So they talk about Kyler Murray and when he's going to come back. Oh, we talk about Brock Purdy. When is he coming back? Oh, you talk about somebody. Oh, other, yeah, Brock Purdy ain't going to no time. Demar Hamlin, is he going to come back? Oh, you know, there's right. so many question marks around some of these really, really, really <clears throat> major athletic injuries that people make the mistake of thinking that you only go through the stages of grief if somebody dies. No, the stages of grief are about loss. And in right. the case of athletic injury, you've lost your season, you've lost your mobility. You, Like you said, perhaps you've lost your starting spot. The list goes on and on and on. <clears throat> so go through these stages of grief and within them, the, the you and you mentioned the isolation a minute ago, you experience the, the denial, you know, I can't believe this happened. Like you said, if you feel like the injury was your fault and, and you right. go through these stages and you can experience any or all of them at any given time. And those are the types of things. It's like this perfect storm, the psychological effects of injury, the emotional responses to injury, the stages of grief process of injury that can all contribute to the loss of intimacy 
in your relationships and the overarching umbrella for all of that, what we know to be true clinically is stress. Stress right. will destroy libido, regardless oh, yeah. of whether you're a female athlete that's been injured or a male athlete that's been injured or a transgender athlete that's been injured. Mm. Stress is a buzzkill. Oh, yeah. it, it can just like no part of it. You don't want it's, any. It's, it's funny. I'd be. I'd be hearing a lot of dudes. I'd be hearing about. I I just I, I keep on seeing this um this commercial now. It's called. It's not. Uh, it's like called Hims. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a company that I guess like sells like their version of Viagra and whatnot. Okay. But I see they market it to like dudes thirty and under, and I'm just like, like damn, thirty and under, like, you that stressed out, like you right, right, like so. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of times, you know, when, you know, when you're, like you said, when you're stressed out and stuff like that, it affects your performance, you know, not only on the field, but, you know, if you're in a relationship, it affects your performance in the bedroom too, you know, mm-hmm. some dudes might experience not being able to, you know, um, get hard or be fully hard or remain hard for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what goes on with women when they're stressed out because I'm not one, so I'm not going to sit here. Well, and our libido happens, tanks so. too. Our libido tanks and, and as women you and 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 I'll and I'll touch on this personally and professionally from a clinical lens right the same type of bodily responses that men go through when their stress level is really high and their libido is adversely impacted are the same things that women go through they're just manifested differently you might not want to be touched you might have you know your sensory perception may be skewed you know what would normally feel good might feel like broken glass or sandpaper scraping across your skin you don't want to have intimate conversations you don't even want to think about it you know you you just it's like everything can irritate you what would normally be would be perceived as sensual or creating some form of arousal is now an irritant. It's an annoyance. It's like, you feel like your head is going to pop off literally. Cause it's like, ah, just, I, that's just not the headspace that I'm in. And that's where a, a myth can be debunked. Right. Because again, there's this gender bias that says that men are ready all the time when in actuality, that just is not true. It's not true because there is an emotional element to physical intimacy. There's an emotional element to intimacy without sex. And and as relational beings, and you've heard me say this oftentimes, relationships are not intellectual exercises. They require a fluid human connection that has a very critical and major element of emotions that is going to be necessary in order for that fluid exchange to be holistically fulfilling and for it to to make that connection that much more um, fulfilling and sustainable, if you will. And I think Mm -hmm. that that that's why it's so important because 99.9% of the time, when you say the word intimacy, so oftentimes people automatically default to sex 
but there's right. so much more to intimacy than that physical connection. And what you'll find, particularly as you mature, is that if the other aspects are not appropriately aligned, then it makes gratifying physical intimacy that much more challenging. You can orgasm, but you don't have to have another person to do that. Speaking of that, this is not, um, this in, in by no means is an endorsement, but I don't know if anybody, there's a docu-series, Ronnie, that came out back in March of 2022 on Netflix called The Principles of Pleasure. Mm -hmm. It's phenomenal. I watched it the first time I watched it by myself through a clinical lens. And the second time I watched it with my husband. And he said quite objectively, every human being that is, you know, sexually active or interested in learning about intimacy, whether it be a man or a woman, needs to see this docuseries. And just to give you a quick backdrop of what it's about for those who are not familiar with it, The Principles of Pleasure is a documentary series centering female sexuality and explores things like the orgasm gap. There's three episodes ranging from 45 minutes to 60 minutes, but it's all about taking viewers on a journey to help viewers learn more about a topic that doesn't get enough attention from mainstream media, <laughs> women's pleasure. It's um, similar to the, the Netflix docu-series, The Goop Lab, but it's a more educational approach. And mm -hmm. what it does is it create space for scientists and sex therapists and everyday folks of, of all you know preferences to learn more about female sexuality and the stigmas faced by our society. The reason why I encourage everybody to check that docu-series out is because it is so information packed, Ronnie. It is so information packed. And when you when you factor in something like athletic injury that can impact both parties' libido, it's really important to understand this relationship to this word intimacy. And what a lot of people don't know is that there's actually five different types of intimacy. And mm -hmm. when you can get a better understanding of what these types of intimacy are, they can be instrumental in helping you to build a deeper connection with your partner. So even in the midst of an injury where, for example, one of the things you said, you know, chuckle because I have a sense of humor, when you talk about a groin injury, keep it PG, keep it G. There are some things that you might not be able to fully appreciate when your groin is hurt, <laughs> right? Oh, you're talking about you get hit in the nuts? You, I, we are we are adults we are grown that is that's actually not what i was thinking but oh but yeah no you talk to you want you want hey look you want to talk about something that will bring even the, the strongest of men to their knees look let's you know it happens it happens in sports sometimes sometimes you, you just know, hit the nba was, game one of the the two players they got ejected from yeah. that game because he hit him in his Region. Yeah, now when you when you when you get caught off guard and they catching why you know why you relax, you talking about something that will, will I'm talking about man I don't wish I don't wish that pain on nobody. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sorry, carry on. My no, bad. no, no, you're fine. So, so I want to connect the, the dots for folks in, in in the instance of time. What is intimacy? What is mm -hmm. intimacy? 
intimacy is technically speaking it's personal it's private it's about connection it is about the different ways that we can connect with our partner or with really anybody that we're in a relationship with because of the different types of intimacy that you have because it's not just about physical intimacy so it can be it's it's all about fostering a sense of closeness in any relationship romantic or otherwise and it's going to require your understanding that intimacy is emotional intimacy is mental intimacy is spiritual and intimacy is physical and to your point when you talk about the psychological effects of injury and the emotional responses that arise when an athlete is injured, emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical are all aspects of the athlete's life that can be adversely mm -hmm. impacted by injury. So think about it this way. Intimacy is connection and it's attention. How does, when I say that, Ronnie, what's your immediate thought about how intimacy can affect your relationships when you're battling an injury? Um, if you, I, I would have, so if you are a player who I guess is um, a significant enough player, you know, meaning that, you know, you have a prominent role amongst the team. Mm -hmm. um, whether, you know, this is a D1 athlete, professional athlete, whatever the case may be. Um, I think in all those aspects of intimacy, um, a lot of the times, and you hear this a lot from, you know, former players and, and other players that, you know, being injured almost kind of makes you feel insecure at times, you know, mm. because when you're injured, you know, you're not able to do the thing that makes you feel the most like you, you know, when so you when you already don't feel like you can be who you are, because a lot of times athletes, we subconsciously are automatically, you know, correlate who we are with what we do as athletes. And so when you're not mm -hmm. able to do that, you don't feel like you. So when you don't feel like you, yeah, that, that presents a lot of other challenges. You know, when you're anxious, when you're stressed out, when you're mm -hmm. feeling, you know, symptoms of depression and stuff like that, you know, how does that come out behaviorally? That comes out with, you know, maybe isolating yourself being irritable and upset with your partner when they, you know, mm -hmm. just trying to connect with you, you might be, you know, self-sabotaging and pushing them away. Um, you could be, um, you know, very condescending or dismissive of how they're feeling because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of, I think a lot of times what doesn't get highlighted is, you know, the spouses and partners of athletes and, you know, mm -hmm. the role they have to play of just always being understanding, especially if, you know, you're a professional athlete, um, you know, spouse and whatnot you know, you have no, I mean, I, I'm not gonna say you have no choice, but to be understanding, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. for more times than not, most of the, you know, people who are in those roles of being the partners of professional athletes who, uh, you know, make a lot of money, you know, for mm -hmm. you, it's like, whether they're injured or they're healthy, you have to be understanding of both aspects of them. Um, mm -hmm. But that injured one definitely is a little bit more tougher to deal with because, you know, when you're standoffish, dismissive, you know, isolating yourself mm -hmm. and, and just always on guard because of the insecurities that are coming out, then mm -hmm. yeah, that's the issue. 
Um, and I think that's really important for, you know, especially for athletes to have those conversations with a therapist or a professional who mm -hmm. can help them understand, you know, once again, if you are, you know, identifying, you know, through your, through your sport, through your profession and stuff like that, and mm -hmm. because of your injury and stuff like that, you're having all these uh, insecurities about, you know, your confidence, your self-esteem, who you are, mm -hmm. what you're able to do and, and things like that, that will bleed over into other areas that, because of how well you how well you played your sport, you might never really thought about how much that could be a detriment to what you, what the mm -hmm. other things you do. Mm -hmm. Being a great husband or being a great wife because you're a great athlete. Well, when you feel like you can't be a great athlete, well, I would imagine for a male athlete, well, how can I continue to serve you and provide for you or be worth of you when I'm worthless mm -hmm. to myself, when I'm mm -hmm. worthless to my sport now? You know, yeah. that's a that's projection. That's a projection yeah. of an insecurity onto the partner. And if a partner isn't, you know, understanding or if they, you know, they are also dealing with maybe, you know, uh, things of their own. What mm -hmm. happens is instead of two people coming together to address the issue, now it's you versus the person and the issue just standing over here, you know, free to themselves. Yeah. So be mindful of that. You know, yeah, when you're injured and things like that, if, if you start to feel insecure, you start to feel doubts and worries or your, your anxiety becomes, you know, really excessive and stuff like that related to, you know, your performance and things like that, mm -hmm. it will probably be very wise of you and helpful to, you know, talk to a professional, you know, therapist or somebody who can help you work through that um, mm -hmm. psychologically and emotionally, because yeah, it can be a tough process, but having that support around you, any person who will tell you when you're going through an injury, having good support around you, especially having a good partner around you, mm -hmm. you know, so um, yeah, I think that can severely impact all aspects of intimacy between an athlete and their partner. A, a part of my interpretation of what you said is that the reason why intimacy is so important mm -hmm. in an athlete's relationships is that it truly allows them to feel seen and heard. Because if they're not seen and heard, then the guards go up. And right. when the guard goes up, that by default breaks down the intimacy so there has, when you speak about that understanding piece, there has to be a willingness of the injured athlete and the partner and whomever is in that person's circle of influence or, or they're, they're those that are intimately connected to the person to have a shared sense of vulnerability where, and I say this all the time, right? Where there has to be a willingness to meet that athlete in a place of common humanity with an open mm -hmm. mind and an open heart because you're not them. You, you I mean, the, the reality of it is there's some things that we just don't want to say to you all when you're injured, you know? You don't want to say, oh, I understand. Eh, no, you don't. It's like, just because you may have been a former athlete and you may have been injured, you unless you actually walk a mile in that person's shoes and your situation in life is 100% identical and exact mirror image to them, you don't understand what they're going through. It might be better to say, I'm here to support you in any way that you need me to, because that's that, that mutual sense of vulnerability that creates that emotionally safe space for them to know that you're not going to try to fix it, but that you're here to just listen <clears throat> and to be a sounding board and let them tell you if they want you to offer any solutions or inventions or anything like that. So when we think about the types of intimacy, the emotional intimacy, the mental intimacy, the spiritual and the physical. Um, and then there's experiential too, right? The emotional intimacy piece is 
it's all about cultivating that sense of closeness relating to how you and the people that are closest to you feel empathy, mm -hmm. respect, and communication. Because if you don't have somebody showing you some empathy, some respect, and not communicating with you effectively, Ronan, what happens? Doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. Does not work out. Yep. And, it, and you know, I think for athletes, I, I think one, one of the things I definitely tried to avoid as an athlete was, you know, any added, you know, stress or, you know, worry outside of what I already have to deal with as an athlete. Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes relationships can become stressful, you know, as an mm -hmm. athlete, you know, mm -hmm. Tom Brady, you know, look, that's, mm -hmm. a, that's a great example, you know, his wife kept on saying, come home, come home, be a family man. And he was like, nah, got to get these rings. My, and, my, my football's you know, my first love, not y'all. Right. And, you know, he ended up losing his wedding ring, you know, chasing, chasing Super Bowl rings. And, you know, yeah. that's just, I'm not gonna say that's the only reason why, but it was a big part of it, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. but that happens, you know, especially, you know, somebody like that who feels like, you know, they are a, a once in a generational athlete, you know, mm -hmm. um, who can, you know, leave a legacy that probably nobody else can ever match. Mm-hmm. I would imagine it's really hard to walk away from that in the moment where it's like, mm -hmm. how do I know this is it? Mm -hmm. Well, like he said on what, two, Tuesday, Wednesday mornings on mm -hmm. that beach. Did you know that somebody bottled up a, a thing of sand and it was on eBay? And as of last night, it was going for a hundred thousand dollars. Because he walked he on it. Huh? Because he walked on it. Basically. And that's where he announced his retirement. A hundred thousand dollars on eBay. Okay. So you know, I, I say all that to say, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a, a professional athlete at the apex of the sport or mm -hmm. a a Division three athlete who is just trying to, you know, enjoy, you know, enjoy their, mm -hmm. you know, youth and and, and live out a, a dream. Mm -hmm. You know, when you know injury occurs and things like that. You know, injuries can expose um, some insecurities within us as athletes. You know, um, a lot of a lot of us as athletes try to hide our insecurities through our sport. And the better we can be at our sport, the more we can hide our insecurities. But when you get injured and you're not allowed to showcase, you know, the good side of you, and you only recognize mm -hmm. the bad side of you and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those insecurities come out, and as a result, you start to push people away. You start to isolate yourself. You start to make things personal. You start to internalize mm -hmm. a lot of things. And mm -hmm. oftentimes, yeah, your intimacy, your intimacy with your partner and everything will begin to suffer. So, mm -hmm. yeah, be mindful of that. You know, be real mindful of, you know, not just the physical effects of an injury, but the, you know, the emotional and psychological effects as well. I think that speaks to the mental slash intellectual mm -hmm. intimacy piece that that we like to call like the meeting of the minds. Right. It's this this place and space that, to your point, <clears throat> you're not able to engage in your sport anymore for a period of time or maybe permanently, but what, how are you being engaged in a way that's satisfying and challenging and mentally stimulating for you that um, helps you, that helps twofold, that helps you to be able to, as the injured athlete, that helps you to be able to communicate in a way that provides those that love you and care about you insight and that helps them to develop a deeper understanding of what's going on inside your mind as it relates to the injury. Like it, 
how, how do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel about the mental stimulation during those periods when you were injured and couldn't play? Um, I mean, I, you know, my parents were very supportive and, you know, they, you know, helped mm -hmm. out a lot and, you know, they were there for me. Um, you know, my friends, you know, they did what they could and whatnot, but, um, uh, for me, it was new. I had never had an injury like that before. I had never mm -hmm. had where I couldn't like, literally I could not walk, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of it was new for me. Um, and like I said, you know, because I didn't really get a lot of, um, mm -hmm proper education on, you know, about the injury and what it looks like, you know, uh, post-op, you know, physical therapy. And then also, you know, when you're able to walk again, um, I had a lot of expectations of what I thought I was going to be able to do post, you know, being able to walk again mm -hmm. that didn't happen. And, you know, had maybe had I had, you know, I mean, my expectations maybe, you know, met with some more facts and the reality of the situation, mm -hmm. maybe that could have gave me the better, you know, mental capacity to um, be receptive of encouragement and support. Because um, I think a lot of times, once again, like, you know, when you are so locked in on your sport and, you know, your sport entitles who you are, mm -hmm. when you're not able to do that, you really just kind of get hyper-focused on being able to do that. Yeah, you hear the support, you know, you, you, you think, you know, you're thankful for it and stuff like that. But as far as being able to appreciate it and, and recognize it, I can't speak for every athlete, but I know for me, it, you know, the support was cool, but if I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do, it meant nothing to me, you yeah. know, like, yeah. so, but I'm not saying that's every athlete. Some athletes, yeah. you know, maybe they have it put in perspective for them in a way where they're more understanding of, you know, mm -hmm. the reality at hand and what's more important in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, I was just trying to get back on the field so I could play ball, you know, whether or not you supported me or not, I, I was going to do what I had to do to get back on the field to play ball. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I did appreciate the support. I did have support, um, you know, but I, for me, you know, I, as long as I was able to get back on the field, then yeah, it, it was, you know, it was cool with me. Um, I don't know how I would have, you know, well, I, I had a year left of eligibility, so I know how that felt, you know, walking away from mm -hmm. a year. Mm -hmm. uh, walking away from a year of eligibility was not fun, but I knew I was tired of, you know, being miserable of how I had to get ready for games. And that wasn't fun. Yeah. You know, so, and yeah, that, you know, at that point, you know, after the third surgery, you know, it really support really was just kind of like null and void. It was just kind of like, you know, I'm being punished at this point, like, yeah. you know. Who did, who did I piss off? <laughs> uh -huh. I said, it was like, who did I piss off? <laughs> right. Right, like it was like, bro, like you know who? Yes. No, so you know, at that point, like when I knew, I, like I've said, you know, going into my last season, I knew that was going to be my last season. You know, yeah. hell, I almost didn't play that season. You mm -hmm. know, just because of you know what it took just to get out there. So when I knew that was my last season, um, I didn't really tell a lot of people. I told a couple people, mm -hmm. um, but. Yeah, now, even if even if I, you know, would have had the support and everything, like, no, you know, knowing how my body felt at the time, there was no way, like, any support would have been able to, you know, change my mind on if, even if I decided not to play that season, I would have been comfortable with that mm -hmm. um, just because of the physical toll of it. So, yeah, you know. Um, okay. 
So there's just two others, the spiritual intimacy, which I really believe is subjective. And and it it really comes down to your value system and and your personal code of ethics. So, you know, people can figure that out because the reality of it is some people are religious and not spiritual. Some people are spiritual and not religious. And some people don't subscribe to either. So that's one that, that really is left up to the person to have those discussions based upon what that looks like in their life. Um, And then the physical intimacy, as we said in the beginning, you know, that's not just about sex. That's about what feels good. It's about sharing and giving and getting and expressing what feels good. It's about connection. It's about excitement. It's about giving and getting pleasure and closeness. And that's not just received through sex. So for example, if you have sustained an injury that doesn't allow you to engage in sexual intimacy the way that you normally would or at all, there's so many other ways that physical intimacy can be demonstrated, whether it's holding hands or or cuddling or sitting close to each other or other forms of skin-to-skin contact that can stimulate those, those nerve endings in your body and give you what you need it what it all boils down to from the physical component ronnie is it's what do you as the injured athlete need what what is it that your partner or the people that are closest to you that love and care about you how do you need them to demonstrate closeness to you during your time of injury that feels beneficial for both of you and keeping that in the forefront of your mind. So when we think about everything that we talked about today and and how that plays out where your intimacy is concerned, there's ways to combat injuries, right? That, That can, keep you from isolating, that can keep you from being consumed by the emotional and psychological elements of the injury. Um, Give a couple of pointers that you did, and then I'll give a couple, and then you can send us on our way for today. Um, You know, for me, like I said, I think, you know, having Having a, uh, is, once again, depending on what your injury is, depending on, you know, whether you're a collegiate athlete, professional athlete, whatever the case may be, having, you know, all the information that you can on, you know, what your injury is, what the recovery time is, what rehab looks like, physical therapy looks like, you know, X, Y, and Z, depending on what your injury is, especially if you, once again, if you have a season in the injury or injury that requires, you know, um, surgery and things like that, you want to be able to get all the information up front that you can. So that way, you know exactly what you're dealing with. Don't be afraid to ask questions. It's your body. At the end of the day, you know your body best. You know, now whether you have a hard time communicating that, you know, hopefully your doctor is really good at helping you know, communicate and let them know what exactly you're feeling and what's going on. Outside of that, um, once again, like I said earlier in the show, having an understanding that the most important thing when you're injured is getting healthy. Yeah. You know, yes wanting to get back on the field, wanting to get your starting spot, wanting to get back out there and play with your boys or your girls if you're a female and stuff like that, you know, getting back back out there and doing what you love. Yes, I know for you personally, that is the most important thing, but objectively, 
the most important thing is getting healthy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because if you're not healthy and you rush through the recovery process, once again, you leave yourself susceptible to possible further injury or a different injury that you'd had, you know, that, you know, didn't need to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And as far as families, friends, partners, spouse, whatever the case may be, um, if you if you have a loved one, an athlete, you know, husband, wife who's an athlete, um, and they're you know dealing with an injury, you know, whether a season ending, season ending, nagging injury, lingering injury, whatever the case may be, the most important thing you can do is have compassion and understanding. Yeah. All right. Compassion leads to understanding. All right. Mm-hmm. And when you have understanding, you have acknowledgement to know that that person, that athlete, you know, depending on you know, their, their um, emotional intelligence and, you know, emotional awareness and things like that, dealing with their physical injury, how they respond and how they receive, you know, your compassion and understanding. If they tend to push away, if they tend to be dismissive and isolating, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the injury is, you know, all injuries are personal, but what I mean by, you know, they're taking this personal is that what we're seeing possibly is an athlete who is identifying who they are through their sport. And when you see an athlete who's not able to do what they love, sometimes what happens is they feel like they're not worthy of love. Yeah. You know, sometimes the truth of thoughts can set in. Sometimes, you know, negative thoughts and negative patterns that, you know, because they were so good and because, you know, they could easily focus on the sport, they didn't have time to give to that and they could just put it on the back burner. But when you get injured, sometimes you have no time but just to sit around and just think. Yeah. And, you know, so if you're a partner or a spouse of an athlete who's dealing with an injury, be mindful that oftentimes when they lash out, if they're angry, irritable, isolating, things like that, it's not you. Right. It's not about don't you. Person, <laughs> right. Don't make it about you. Yeah. Because sometimes it's just that person, that person um, expressing an insecurity, you know, projecting insecurity onto somebody else. Right. So right. compassion leads to understanding. So the best thing you can do as a partner, spouse, husband, wife, is to you know be compassionate and let that lead to understanding of what your specific partner or spouse needs from you in that moment. Yeah. I would just add to that that I think that it's really important to focus on the present. You can't undo the injury. It happened. Right. And what we know to be true is what you feed grows. So if you're just in this persistent state of wallowing, it truth be told, it's gonna make the the pace of your recovery that much slower because you're not focusing forward. You have to focus on the present. You have to focus, just like Ronnie said, on getting healthy and don't give yourself permission to wallow. If you do wallow for 24 hours and then move on because you cannot undo it. It is what it is, Um, but you can get past it and hopefully you can be renewed and refreshed and return to the sport. And and if you're not able to, because it's a career ending injury, then there's, there's, other things you are more than your sport honor your feelings you you have to own them don't don't blow them off don't show them off. don't act like it, it it don't hurt emotionally and physically own your feelings be honest about them and talk them through and out with somebody that is a neutral party that is capable of providing an emotionally safe space for you to say it how you really need to feel you need to scream yell cuss bust throw stuff breaks it whatever you need to do that doesn't cause injury to someone else or further injure you, get those feelings out and honor them. And then lastly, let the people who love you and care about you help you. Accept the help and support. You are not alone. Isolation is deadly. 
it is absolutely positively deadly because if if you choose to romance all of that depression and all of those toxic negative thoughts, not only will it compromise your recovery, it will compromise your mental health. And you don't want that. Um, Ronnie, I have a message for you before you close us out. Somebody has yet that the non-front runners are headed to the Super Bowl fly, Eagles fly. That's what somebody has told me to tell you. He got it. He got it. I ain't look, like I said, I I I, I learned quick. All right. You know, see, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to root for them this week. I'm going to root for them this time. So that way, you know, my subconscious pick wins, you know, so. Because you know <laughs> obviously, uh, obviously rooting for them out loud does not work in my favor. I mean, rooting <laughs> against them like, out this. loud does not. You need to try to reverse approach. <laughs> yeah, you know, some, some reverse psychology and whatnot. <laughs> Send us home, Ronnie. It's time to get well, time to go on about our day. <laughs> I know, right? I'm gonna try and enjoy some of this sunlight as, as much as possible. But yeah, man, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Um oh, wait, 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 one more thing. You had had a really great idea during the week that we were talking about with our marketing folks. Tell them about the idea. Let's start plugging that now and then tell them see it. <laughs> oh yeah. So you know, if you are an athlete, former athlete, current athlete, um HBCU, PWI. Professional mm-hmm. athlete, overseas athlete, if you're an athlete at general, parent of an athlete, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, um, mm-hmm. and, and you feel like you want to add something to the show and contribute to the show, by all means, please reach out to us on um, on Facebook or uh, do we still have our email or no? Facebook, Instagram. We have the we have the email. Um, people haven't emailed us in a long time. I would just say, can the email yeah, reach, us out, reach out to, to us, us on one of the social media platforms? Yeah, reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. Suggest topics for us. We, I mean, we we have the show lineup for the, this whole season, but Ronnie's Ronnie said, you know, the co-host, he really the boss. I just, I pretty much do what he's saying. But what he said yeah, no, was, it, if somebody have a topic that they want to talk about, we're going to alter the show for that week, and we're going to talk about what they want to talk about. I said, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, if you're an athlete and, and you know, yeah, you want to talk about, you know, your your testimony or, you know, share your experiences being a student athlete, professional athlete, we want to have you. You know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we're, a grass, we're a grassroots podcast. You know, we're not we're not here for the clickbait. We're not here for the, you know, um, attention seeking. We, you know, we try to put out good quality content each and every week for our listeners out there because this is important to us. You know, athletes matter. Their mental health matters. And you know, we all want to see our athletes, you know, professional, collegiate, high school, whatever the case may be. We all want to see them out there and do the sport that they love because they love doing it. And, you know, it, do it in the best way, the best possible mental, physical and spiritual health that they can have out there. Um, and so we're all about giving our athletes a voice, you know, and allowing them to have a voice on this podcast because, you know, athletes are the reason we're doing this. You know, I'm not a former athlete. You are the, uh, a spouse of an athlete, a parent, parent of a former athlete. So, so, you know, um, athletes are important to us. So, you know, if you want to come on here, holler at us, you know, chit chat, chill with us, whatever the case may be, by all means, you know, once again, yeah, we have, we have predetermined topics for every week, but if, you know, if you just want to come on here because, you know, that specific week works best for you, hey, what do or we know about sports? topic ideas too. 
you know, we're, yeah, we're not absolutely. opposed to talking about this, like we're talking about the topics that we believe are hot and really need to be addressed from an athletic and a mental health perspective. But we right. absolutely are totally open to you giving us show ideas and coming on and contributing to the discussion around those topics that you want us to touch on. Totally. We can never, we can never have, have too many ears and yeah. boots on campuses and in the streets and everything. Yeah. Like, you know, the more boots we have on campuses, the more people we have subscribing to our YouTube channel and stuff like that. As right. we grow, we try to grow our content and, you know, make sure that we, you know, giving you all the best content each and every week. So, you know, yeah. definitely once again, Make sure y'all go on our YouTube page, hit that subscribe button, like our videos and everything, because that benefits us and it benefits you all as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So um, that's all I got for this week, Dr. Pitts. All right. Go ahead. That's it. Um, our social media manager said that she's going to um, she's going to do some double checking to see uh, about getting us on Spotify so that we can continue to broaden um, our audience and. We love y'all. We appreciate you. Tune in next week and we'll see you. Enjoy some, some Pro Bowl games tomorrow and can't wait to see oh, flag yeah. football. Haven't seen flag football since I was in eighth grade. Woo! So looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and have a great weekend, everybody. Stay warm. My birthday is in nine days. So His birthday is uh, in nine days and it's Black I'm History accepted. Month every day, 365 days a year, Ronnie. When you have friends like mine to tell you, you only get to choose the, either the first half or the second half of the month. That's so, you know. That is so disrespectful. On all the levels. Be biracial in America. <laughs> Bye, y'all.